Welcome to Connected episode 211. It is brought to you this week by Smile and Pingdom. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts. I have Federico Vitici with me. How are you? Mm-hmm. Ciao, Stephen. How are you? I'm, I'm good. And we have, of course, Michael Hurley. Hello there. Hi. Hello. Oh my God. Are you, are you Michael, the, the Michael Hurley? No. The podcaster and friend. Of- no, I'm a different. I'm a different one. Oh, okay, okay. Never mind that. Who's this I'm guy? Standing in for the Michael oh, Hurley okay. today. Okay, that sucks. Well, yeah. Okay. Did you do something to the real Michael Hurley, or are you just he's just off today? <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> legally, legally, I can't say. Oh boy. Okay. Well, we're going to talk all about Mojave today because Mojave's out. I know the two of you are very excited to go with me down this road. Hang on a second. I feel like we spoke about it last time, mm-hmm. and I feel like that was enough. Actually, all I have is some follow up for Mojave because okay, cool, you cool, 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 cool. Show. Uh, we want to p- put whatever you want in the show, but then you get upset when you're talking for ten minutes. But I can't do nothing about that. I had nothing to say. It was uh, it was a pretty easy segment to edit. I think I tweeted a screenshot <laughs> of my logic project of like it's asked, just me talking. I asked you some questions, you know, but that's all I got for you. Yeah, Federico got up and made a snack. Anyways, <laughs> we want to point people to John's review over on Mac Stories as normal. He did a great job. Deservedly good walkthrough of what the OS uh, has to offer and the pros and cons of its changes. Uh, Jason Snell also had one over on Six Colors that uh, uh, I really found his take on the new apps. So what are they? News and stocks and home and voice memos. I think uh, Jason's... The Marzipan apps. The Marzipan apps. Uh, They're really bad. and, And hopefully they get better or the Mac is in trouble. But go read. Go I read I already have a problem with this. So okay, okay we're going to talk about it because like yes. I've heard you say this a couple a of times, now. and I'm seeing this on Twitter a bunch as well, right? Like that people are like saying, "Oh, these apps are bad." So Marzipan's a disaster, and it's going to be terrible for the future of the Macintosh. Like, mm-hmm. let's just give it a couple of years. Well, first, uh, hey, right I like before we you... all like go jump off a cliff ah, about it. I like that you say Macintosh. That that makes me feel nice inside. Well, this is what the the replacement Mike Hurley. He's more old school like yeah. that. The real Mike Hurley would say Mac. Yeah. Well, you can't say Macs anymore because nobody knows what it is. It's Macintoshes now Apple's, because of the fun. Yeah, Apple's really their naming Macintoshes. is really complicated. I, I think what I mean by that, uh, I can't speak for other people, can't, uh, but I think Jason and I agree on this because we've talked a lot about it. Uh, is that if this is the the future of Mac software? Which I think it is right because you are you are giving access to a, a whole bunch of apps pretty easily. People who would never write Mac apps now can, and it seems like the method to do it probably won't be that bad. Then, like if they if these become the the over the over, overwhelmingly popular way to build Mac apps, and they're bad, uh, that will do damage to the platform. What I'm worried about is that. As it is on iOS, uh, as well as the Mac now, Apple sort of sets the tone for what a a third-party developer, like the bare minimum they should do in an app. Like, uh, it's changed over time, but I'm sure you guys remember the beginning days of the iOS app store, most apps even like looked like default apps. Like that was very much a thing of like slipstream your way into what Apple's doing. That's changed over time. But I think the quality that Apple sets forth as this is the standard 
that needs to be high. And the Marzipan apps at this point now it is a beta. It's like it's not even really beta. It's like a sneak peek. That quality is pretty low. And I think what Jason and I want is for them to increase that quality. But if Marzipan rolls out and the very best Marzipan apps are as bad as the Home and News app are now, then like that's not good for the Mac. Uh, and even if they improve it over time, I think first impressions are important because there are going to be a lot of apps that the developer just does the bare minimum and, but you know, which makes sense from a business perspective for a lot of developers, I'm sure, but the minimum should be higher than it is now. So that's what I mean. Saying it's the end of the Mac is, is hyperbole and it's fun to be dramatic, but uh, I do think it's a problem. Uh, but I, I think Apple knows it's a problem. Like here's, or turning follow up into a topic. I'm sorry, but here, here's like my my fundamental thing with this is, if Apple didn't care about the Mac, they wouldn't have done this. Like this is seems like a lot of work, and Mojave is all about the Mac being more Mac like. So like the Mac isn't going anywhere; it's evolving, but it's not going anywhere. And so Apple needs to like they've done, you know, seventy or seventy five percent of the work. They need to go the extra way to make them feel like good apps on the Mac and what that means. And they're, they haven't done that, but I trust that they will because they've done so much work already. I don't think they're going to leave it so close to the finish line. That's all. Yeah, I think that like there is a little bit, I understand the concern, right? And like to build on a couple of points that you made, I don't think this is the future of Mac apps. I think it's the future of all apps. There, I think that, that this is what Apple at least position is the future of all apps. The, the, the idea that they will be built this way to to run everywhere ultimately like is is kind of the goal that they're going to want to push for eventually um i think that apple have made a mistake um in not even attempting to brand these applications as beta versions when they very clearly are um it's there's very it seems very peculiar to me that they didn't that they didn't call like news and home and stuff like beta publicly you know like yeah. nerds know that this is based upon unreleased kind of technology that they're building these on we know that um but they didn't do that widely, which it seems peculiar to me when they very simply could have, could have. And I believe that a lot of the things that do frustrate people, which is like very iOS-y controls, that will go away. They'll find a way to, to fix a lot of that stuff. Because, I hope so. You know, I think the fact that they've got them to where they are now, like, you know, they, they seem okay. They, they do the job. They just do the job weirdly. And I, and I would like to believe, for the same reason you just brought up there, that, that they will make changes to them, because otherwise, why on earth did they bother to do them in the first place? Like, if it was all about iOSing the Mac, they could do that really differently to this. Like, you know, like, I think a lot of people see it and like, oh, they're just ruining it and trying to, you know, turn the Mac into a big iOS computer. They could just make big iOS computers. They're not. They're trying to find a way to, like, modernize Mac apps and part of the modernization of it is trying to make them like iOS apps because that's where apps are being made. So like they're trying to like bridge that gap, which I totally understand. It's a new way to bring software to the platform, making it easier for developers to make them cross-platform. But like if all they wanted to do was just turn a Mac into iOS, they could just make a big iOS device and then just like that's it. Like I think this is shows an innate love and care of the Mac and that they're trying to find ways to boost the platform. I think we just got to wait for the implementation details to shake out over the next couple of years, which is what they've put into place. So I wouldn't go like lighting your hair on fire over these applications being not what you want them to be right now. I think that there's a process in, in mm. going along here. So this is basically the same point that um that I will make on the next episode of App Stories, which we recorded a few days ago, and it's actually all about the sneak peek or marzipan apps. 
my point is the there's a line to draw here in I think in in the Apple community, so to speak, as to whether you believe that there's going to be a single shared app platform in the future, or if you think Apple should keep making two distinct platforms. Uh, not in terms of operating systems, but in terms of how developers create apps. If you think that iOS apps should be wholly separate from Mac apps, or if you think that in the future developers should just write one app and have it run and have it adapt to different devices and different screens and different interactions. I think that five, ten years from now, maybe maybe less even, I don't know, there will be a single platform for making apps for Apple devices. And the same app will run on the phone, on the iPad, on the Mac. It'll adjust to the screen that it runs on. It'll adjust to the cursor or to multi-touch or to whatever you want to use, maybe even AR, I don't know. Um, but I think Apple wants to remove the friction that developers have found so far uh, in making, uh, making the single app available everywhere. And the facts just speak for themselves. If you look at the App Store for iOS, and if you look at the App Store for the Mac, especially for consumer stuff, I'm not talking about like pro apps that are, you know, it's easier to find pro apps on the Mac because the Mac, that's what the Mac is for. But if you look at consumer apps, if you look at something like Slack, uh, maybe not even Slack, if you look at utilities or like sports apps or news apps, whatever you want to use, like whatever it is that most people use on the iOS app store, it's not available on the Mac. And it's usually a web app or an Electron app that I think arguably Apple doesn't like as a solution. So what's best not to offer? Uh, what consumer apps on the Mac at all, just out of principle, because the Mac needs to be a separate thing? Or is it better to have this kind of solution where even right now, yes, the home app is kind of terrible. And yes, news is basically the iPad version. But, you know, at least right now I can change my lights from my MacBook. And I think that's better than nothing. That's better than not having HomeKit at all. And we could keep basically banging the same drum that, oh no, Apple should make an actual native HomeKit app for the Mac. But, you know, they haven't made it. Maybe because they don't have the time. Maybe because they don't have the team. I don't know. But the truth is, now we have some kind of home version on the Mac. And to assume that this is going to be this way forever with the weird iOS controls and, you know, the lack of Windows and the lack of keyboard shortcuts, I think that's a little short-sighted. And I think it will change. This is, I agree with Mike, this should have been labeled as a beta version because that's what it is. But also I think, I don't think this is a nightmare for Mac users. I think it's actually, you know, for most people, including me, this is much better than not having these iOS apps as it used to be before. That's my point. No, it's a it's a good one. I think uh, I don't know if people would have assumed that this was the way this conversation was going to go. No. <laughs> We're still in follow up, actually. <laughs> just like me and Federico trying to calm everyone down. <laughs> I just think it's so interesting because we the Mac hasn't had a big transition like this in a long time. Like. Yeah, and, and these reviews don't talk about it much, but next year, what we're going to be talking about is the end of 32-bit and Carbon apps. So like for, uh, our friend James has taken Drag Thing down from sale because it's written in Carbon, and the future of that app is unknown. And there's going to be a lot of uh, utilities and stuff that sort of fade away after this uh, after this release. So, but we can we can park that till next year. Like we talked about, I did not write a review, but I did have some thoughts uh, beyond what we've talked about here. So that's in the show notes, a link to that, as well as the Mojave screenshots. Uh, they've all been added 
to the screenshot library, both light and dark mode, as well as a gallery showing every combination of light and dark mode and all the accent colors. Uh, the dark mode and the yellow accents, I think, is my least favorite. <laughs> it looks pretty bad, but if you want it and it looks good to you, then uh, more power to you, I guess. So you may remember that we should remember that the, this wonderful, the world's greatest podcast was featured um, in the WWDC keynote. We were on stage. Oh, wait, you mean ATP? <laughs> no, they were in the podcast session. We got the keynote. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay, so cool. uh, we're we're <laughs> we're in the keynote. Uh, our wonderful artwork was featured very prominently. Um, it turns out there's a l- little bit more love to go there. From mm. the, it's, this was sent into by a bunch of people. The official Apple support Twitter page uh, tweeted a little video about how to listen to podcasts on your Apple Watch. And if you look real closely, you'll see that there is an episode of this very show uh, featured in the little mm-hmm. uh, in the little carousel that goes on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like episode two hundred. 6 or 208 or something so a pretty pretty recent one so. and, and you know why they skipped connected uh, as they were scrolling on the apple watch because apple support knows that listening to connected is is best i mean you can do it on the apple watch but it's best experience you know on a comfortable couch in your living yes. room you gotta relax you gotta relax you gotta take it all in and just enjoy the conversation and they apple support knows because they listen to connected that's why so it's pretty awesome Thank you to whoever it was out there who did that. We, you cannot understand the joy that I feel, that we all feel from seeing things like that. It makes us very, very happy and very, very proud. So thank you. I, I do want to talk about the ideal listening conditions for listening to the show, though. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, okay. So, so I like the idea of like being on a couch. You know, Maybe the lights are kind of dim and mm-hmm. you've, you've had a mm-hmm. drink. It's very relaxing. But I think if you really want to get into this, uh, the only way to do it really is to be just in the bathtub just fully relaxed you know i thought you were gonna say completely nude and you kind of did say that i was trying to say it without saying it but you just went Uh right to it i thought steven was a never nude like uh, tobias from (laughs) wow i don't know i just i just you can still get in the bathtub in jean shorts there's no problem i mean (laughs) denim gets snug when it gets wet but it's fine (laughs) That's what you're supposed to do, right? Like with real good jeans, you're supposed to get in the bathtub with them so they're like shaped to you. Uh, I'm not cool enough to know about that. And I have a phone that's too big for those jeans. So, Well, that's how you get it to like fit the phone perfectly. You just Mm. put the phone in your pocket, you get in the bathtub, and then you can uh, shrink it around. IP68, man. You gotta just keep (laughs) it in the pocket. (laughs) Yeah, you'll be be totally fine. How how many minutes do you get with IP68? Two hours. That's a long long time. That's enough to shrink some jeans. Well, and it's it's long enough. That's what our podcast is. Ever longer than two hours, so that's why now you know. So let's why get we sh- started. Yeah. Why we try to <laughs> limit? I <laughs> try to limit. <laughs> oh, we have some news about air power. No, we don't have any news about air power. But Belkin has Hey-o. shipped something that looks kind of similar. Uh, Federico, what is this thing that Belkin is doing? It's like um, so ugly. Bit, it's it's an ugly block of. <laughs> white plastic i mean it's a block of white plastic with uh two separate stands for the apple watch and oh one. it also comes in glossy black plastic as well oh, as nice. white plastic nice. so that's so, good news mm-hmm. so it's basically like this this block with two stands one a small stand for the apple watch and uh, another stand for the iphone it can be an iphone 8 or 10 or 10s uh and you just charge them separately but on the same little 
thing. I don't even know how to call it. It's, it's not a dock. It's a, it's a block of plastic. Um, yeah, I have a question about this thing. Mm-hmm. I can't work out how the iPhone stands securely. So I was just looking at this. The surface of the block looks like it's like grippy rubber. Yeah, I think it's rubber. So, so I think it's yeah. just like friction. And I imagine if you have a case that's even grippier, you know, like a case would kind of not enough. hold on to it. It also has, and one thing I like about this, I agree with you, it is it is pretty ugly, uh, but it has a USB port on the back. So you plug this thing into the wall, you can wirelessly charge your phone and your watch, and you have a USB port out the back for something, uh, like in this picture they show an iPad. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. versatile that way too, so you're not, you just have one plug taken up by three devices, which I don't know about y'all, but... Uh, Mary and I each have a nightstand, and we be, we both each charge our phones and our Apple Watches at night on our nightstands. It's like, I'm out of plugs behind our bed. Like, I have, like, a power strip back there. It's, like, not great. Uh, so this, if you have that problem, could be a solution to eliminate some of that. But I wish it was prettier. I don't know why it's so boxy. Like, mm-hmm. you know... If you if you leaned over and hit your the corner of your head on that thing, it'd be really it's a sharp. Very specific injury. <laughs> it's like this is the thing. It it is a good product, I think, but I think that it is not greatly designed. Yeah. No, it's it's a oh, functional okay. so product. I'm looking at their website. Okay. There's kind of like a little raised area. Yeah. 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 To like hold the phone. That it that just does not feel secure enough to me. Like if you bump that, like you know how Federica, what did you break that way? Uh, like a, one of your dogs bumped into the, the, the was it nights, a phone? My phone, yeah, the the ten last year, yeah, yeah. Like this would one hundred percent, like it would, unless it's like super grippy, the plastic, like the, like a super grippy rubber on it or whatever, which it doesn't necessarily look like there is. It might, I don't. It's hard to tell, but I would be, I would be hesitant to to leave my phone on that thing. Yeah. I like it to, to be fixed in place a little bit more. Well, I wanna... But the idea of the product is good, right? Like, yeah. I, and I also especially like the inclusion of the USB port on the back. I think that's really clever. Like, I like that they did that. So you could charge an iPad or just mm-hmm. anything else. Yeah. I wanted to get one immediately, but sadly, it's coming out in December. Um, which means there's a there's a... I mean... Don't want to be that guy, but there's a, there's a real risk of air power coming coming up before no, this. No, there's <laughs> the not. risk there's of not. air power. That's there. that's what it's it is now. It is a risk. <laughs> it is a risk because it's gonna catch fire, and you know there it. is a risk of air power. I have a lot of oh, comments like about that. this press release that they link to. Uh, one, they use a Dropbox link for their images, like just questionable uh but they also some of the bullet points don't mention the new phones <laughs> it's compatible with the 8 8 plus and 10 so come on come on pr people get on it it's also 160 bucks which i don't know how i feel about yep. that that's expensive i think it's a lot of money it i is. mean how much is air power gonna be well if it ever ships 649 <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine it ca- if it was like more than 200? It costs a lot because it comes bundled with insurance for your house. <laughs> and the fire extinguisher. <laughs> they just ship like a box of devices to you. Like here's just like another three phones in case it breaks. I, I imagine oh, AirPower will be one. Be one. Uh, so I would say 149, which means it'll be 199. Yeah. Because the Snell rule is to add 50 bucks to everything, which is a really, yeah. really good rule. <laughs> Uh, so I, I would say 199 from Apple. That makes sense. Yeah, if it's more than 200, like that would be it's very that's upsetting. Bananas. I think. And you got to buy an AirPod case. If it case, ever arrives, right? Like if it ever arrives. Yeah. 
I don't know. Jury's still out. I know that there's like, oh, it's in 12.1. I don't think that means anything, really. Like, I understand that they're continuing to, like, do stuff as if it's going to come. But, like, we're a year away at this point. Like, I'm sure they've been working on it for the last year as well. But It is strange that they... Printed it on the bo- on, in the manual of the iPhone XS, though. Like it's yeah, we th- have very different opinions upon this, but sure. You think that was just like some random person at Apple who just slipped like the manual nope. of the new iPhone? Like no, I, I I just think the inclusion of it in the packaging doesn't say anything about the fact of whether it ships or not. Like because. It's not available. This product doesn't exist, but it's mm-hmm. in the packaging, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that is a blunder because that packaging can be changed at any point. They didn't change it, right? So, like, it shipped. This product doesn't exist and it's in there. Air yeah. power is not a thing that you can charge it onto. So, like, right. that is an error. That should it, They should not have shipped these phones with it saying you can use an air power mat because but you can't. How, that how is can not you make a thing that you error? How, how is that possible that it's just some error? Like, no, no, no. I mean, I don't mean like it accidentally slipped in. I mean, uh-huh. Apple should not have sent these phones out with it saying you can use an air power. So thing. Like, that why is did they problem. do it? Because I believe this was designed when air power was shipping and it just got put in the box and nobody noticed. That's what I think. And the idea of like Apple wouldn't let that. Of course, Apple would let that happen. There's so many moving parts. Of course, it can happen. No, like the fact that, that air power doesn't exist. What happened? Think- Things if you can go know, wrong. If you know that it's late, but if you're pretty sure at this point that it's coming out by the end of the year... Uh, I think you would have then said it on stage. Mm. If you were pretty sure it's coming out by the end of the year. And, uh, I don't. I just don't buy that Like it being on the piece of paper means anything. What it does mean is that they shouldn't have shipped it with the little piece of paper in it that said you can use air power. Because the Apple Watch doesn't have it on there. The Apple Watch one says just use it on the included charger. I think a test will be say anything about does the ten R paperwork come with it in a couple of weeks? Or do you know future ten S and ten S Max boxes omit it? Right? Like is this just like a run of yeah. them that happen to go out well, of the Well the real test is and they're being edited. Do we get to the, do we get to twenty nineteen <laughs> with no air power <laughs> or not? You know, I, I just I, I understand the point of like it seems like it would be crazy to include it if it wasn't existing. It does seem, but just yeah. having worked in a place where like there's a lot of moving parts and paper stuff is being made, like that decision for that manual may have been made like four months ago, and it just got printed and it got stacked in a warehouse, and then someone was like, you know what, <laughs> we think we're going to ship this at some point. Let's just put it in there. Or, like these are these you know we can we can fantasize about apple being perfect but they're not perfect like these things can happen that's my that's my feeling on it anyway i'm more than happy to be wrong and i just don't think the inclusion of the word air power in the paperwork means that air power is a week away mm-hmm. can you imagine okay. like it, it's it's launch day and like phil schiller you know he he's had his phone for a while, but you know he buys one for his his spouse or one of his kids and he's it's at night he's at home on the kitchen table he's unboxing it the paperwork spills out. He sees the word air power. He like flips over the table, right? Like runs into his office and gets the bat phone to call Tim. <laughs> it's like, we agreed that no one would mention this word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we're going to get into our impressions of iPhones and the Apple Watch and Watch OS 5. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, but first, I want to give everyone one last reminder 
that September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. So for the month of September, we talk about this. A lot of our friends talk about this, which is really great. Uh, raising money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which is here in my hometown of Memphis, and they treat kids with cancer and other catastrophic diseases free of charge. Uh, and my son is one of those kids. He was diagnosed with a brain tumor when he was six months old. Now he's almost 10 and he's doing great. And that is thanks to the hard work of St. Jude. And like I said, I've never I've never been charged a dime for what has to be millions of dollars of chemotherapy and surgery and MRIs and all this stuff. So uh, there's a link in the show notes. This chapter has a link in it. Uh, I'd love if you would go check this page out. Uh, I'd love if you would donate. My goal was $20,000 as of right now. Uh, we're a little over uh, $42,000. I would secretly love to hit 50 because that's what we did last year. I think that'd be really awesome uh, because it's it's such important work and work that's, I think, obviously close to my heart and close to the heart of a, a lot of other people. So thank you. All right. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Smile. And today I want to talk about Text Expander, which is a wonderful product that they make. Text Expander will help you communicate smarter. You can create snippets for things that you type or copy and paste all the time. You can create snippets for short things such as email addresses and website addresses, or even today's date formatted in a way that you may not be used to. So I have the US date formatted nicely as a, as a little snippet, so I can just get that written out nicely. So and even if like, again, sometimes when you work from home, especially, you kind of just lose track of the days and the months. Uh, so sometimes it can be nice to have a snippet that can just type it out for you automatically. Um, you could maybe even make snippets for the longer things that you type out, such as frequently used directions, or you could maybe like proposals, probably not marriage proposals, more like sponsorship proposals, proposals to companies for different things that you may want to engage in business for, or even answers to common questions. You can have your entire website FAQs into separate snippets that you can fire off into emails which people send. And you can also check out the Text Expander blog for more snippet ideas. They're always adding new things in there to try and spark some ideas. Snippets can be summoned in any app on the Mac, Windows, iPhone, or iPad. You just use a short abbreviation or search using a hotkey as you type. You can even personalize your responses using fill-in fields and then share your snippets with the whole team to power everyone's productivity. As somebody who uses a PC every now and then, I have my gaming PC and I do a bunch of stuff on it, I'm so happy that Text Expander is on Windows so I don't even have to think about it. I can still use all of my snippets no matter where I am. I absolutely love that. You can head to textexpander.com slash podcast right now and you can get yourself 20% off your first First year. That is textexpander.com slash podcast for 20% of your first year. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of Connected and all of Relay FM. So the new iPhones are here. We are all back in the the Max Club, which is like the Plus Club, but reborn from the ashes of the Plus phone. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, I think we're all happy with it. So I'm curious, you know, uh, are you guys, have you adjusted to the size? What are the benefits of the size? Does this feel different than the Plus phone? Uh, Mike, how, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm happy. I'm very happy. I'm, as uh, people where I grew up would say, Stephen, I'm happy as Larry. I don't know what that means. But Who's Larry? They used to say. I don't know, but he's a happy guy, I guess. Like Larry Page? Yes, I'm happy as Larry Page using an iPhone. So very happy. Uh, I'm as happy as Larry Page when he did that, like, parachute jump wearing Google Glass. Mm. I'm, I'm that happy, you know? He was very happy that day, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love it, man. Uh, you know, 
spoiling something, but like me and Federico both independently used the phrase, I feel like I'm home again, <laughs> uh, which was kind of funny. Like I wrote it down in my little notes and then Federico <laughs> sent it to us in a text message. It's like, oh, I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, it, it's great. It's great for all of the reasons. Plus phones were great. The Max phone is great too. Like the screens are bigger, which is just nicer. Like if you're watching things, it's just nicer. But you also get more information on the screen. So I did some comparisons, right? And these aren't shocking. They're not like massive numbers, but it is more data, which I like. So in Overcast, you see one more podcast in a playlist. In Twitterific, I see two extra tweets than on my 10. Um, in Spark, in my email inbox, I see one extra email in the list. In Slack, there are multiple lines of messages. Like I like big phones because I like to get the most information from my pocket computer. Like these aren't monumentally huge numbers, but it's more and I always want more. So I love it. I love the Max. It's great. It's a wonderful phone. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's been especially nice to, um, you know, keeping the same font size, but getting more content in return by switching to the big screen. Um, I especially like that when I'm catching up on Twitter or going through my RSS, as Mike mentioned. I think there's a there's a real feeling of not being constrained by the limits of the screen anymore, which I really like. And also, you know, it just feels more comfortable for me, like to hold and to scroll. Um, just you know, I I got the typical reaction that two hours after using the the Max, I picked up the 10 again, which, by the way, Silvia is now using, and she seems to be happy with it. Um, And it felt just small. And I wonder, like, how did I ever use this phone? I want to use the Max forever. Um, I had to adjust a little to the keyboard, just because even though I didn't like it, I sort of begrudgingly got used to to the smaller keyboard of the iPhone X. So the first couple of hours of typing on the on the Max, it felt strange, and I was you know having a lot of typos in my in my messages. But you know the next day everything was fine, and now the keyboard is is excellent. And I tried to type on the smaller ten, and I couldn't. So I guess that uh, the transition is complete. Um, yeah, it feels Do you mean really the baby good. phone. The the baby. <laughs> so that's phone. how it feels to me. Like yeah. I picked up the ten and was like, "What is this tiny? How did I? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How have I used this?" Imagine, for the last imagine year? using, wild. imagine using an SC today. I like, can't there's, even. Uh, like, how is that even and possible? It's, like, it's not that I think the ten is small. It's just the way they feel when, mm-hmm. like, when you've used one of the bigger phones, you pick up the smaller phone. And it's like I don't even understand anymore. <laughs> it's so funny how quickly you adjust. Like, and and it's the same as like I remember saying this all those years ago, right, to you guys about the Plus phone. Like, you adjust really quickly. Like, yeah. it just becomes what you're used to, and it really doesn't take very long. And you. You know, like, there are disadvantages, right? Like, it is heavier and it is bigger, right? But I don't think it's unwieldy. No. You know, um, I'm using my pop socket more, though, mm. because it's because it is harder to get my hand around the phone, right? Like, because the phone is wider. So it's way easier to just stop halfway because the pop socket's there and I just grip that. Interesting. Um, the thing I've noticed is that there's two things I don't like. I think the Apple silicon case is still a little too thick for my taste. Like, yeah, I would like a yeah. silicon case, but thinner. I don't know if it exists. Like a like a peel type of case, but made of silicon. I don't know if that's possible <laughs> at all uh, from a you know physics perspective. Um, Someone makes it. Like, so, there are so many cases. Somebody makes a thinner silicon yeah. case. Yeah, and also what I notice is that 
I don't mind I don't mind the weight. I think it's it's I mean of course it's heavier than before, but it's not a huge problem for me. What's no, it's, a, it's like I just note that it is heavier, yeah, not yeah, yeah. that it's too heavy. Yeah, you know? yeah, totally. Yeah, but what is a, an actual problem for me is reaching control center. Uh, I've been saying this ever since last year. I think it's in the wrong spot. I think Steven agrees with me. Uh, personally, I believe it should be next to the multitasking UI, um, basically where it used to be on the iPad. I think it should be in the same position on the iPhone. I think it's impossible to reach on the Macs. Um, and I also think if Apple cannot make up its mind, it should become a user setting or an accessibility setting or something. Just let me choose where to access Control Center. Because right there, in that corner, I found myself using reachability multiple times to bring down the UI and swipe on a non-existent corner to access Control Center, which is dumb. So, yeah, that's that's the only problem it's, I have. It's, it's a bad spot. What I found myself doing is doing stuff in settings instead of control center because it's easier to yeah. manage which is like, feels like a step backwards because control center is is really good and it's customizable and stuff but it is really far away it's like you know you got to send like uh some sort of courier to go get control center for you and bring it back to you so you can use it so here's the thing i totally know that control center is like more awkward i am not feeling it like I haven't felt myself be like, oh man, control center, and I don't know why. Like whether I'm just automatically just treating this phone as a two-handed phone, or I'm able to reach it easily. I don't really know why. Like it's like as soon as I saw the phone, I was like, oh man, that's gonna that's gonna be difficult, right? Like, I, and like I'm hearing you guys say it right now, I'm like, yeah, you're making perfect sense. But I have no personal feeling of it being annoying for me, and I don't know why that is. But I do agree with you both that it should change. But I just wanted to say, like, just as a kind of a different part, right? Like, as a, as a different opinion, like, I'm not feeling the issue, even though I know the issue would naturally exist. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But like it's not something that I'm noticing very much. Interesting. I don't know why. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's the pop socket. Maybe that makes you. I don't know. It could be. Like I'm. I might just be naturally gripping it even when it's closed in because it it is just a gripping point or like a balance point so that yeah. I can kind of more easily shimmy my phone. I don't know. I mean, I really do recommend that people try these things. I think that they're very good and they really help. Federico, let's let's both try it. Let's let's order them and try it. I think we I need I, I want to tell you it. both in advance that you're going to really not like the fact that it is super sketchy as to whether it's wireless charging works. Yeah. You're both not going to like that. Like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I feel like we should but, try it though. I feel like the time is But come. I think you should try it. They're on mm. Amazon like and they're not very expensive. I recommend you give it a go. I don't like the idea. I don't like the idea at all. I don't want to stick something to my phone. No, 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 no. We can stick it to the case. I I I already don't like the fact that the case is too thick. Why would just I make it, it even thicker? Nah. Because it doesn't make it thicker. Just try it. Just give it a go. Just give it a go. Come on, this is an experiment. Yeah, this, this is, is an experiment. Peer pressure. I don't like it. Mm. I'm not saying you're going to like it, but I think you should give look, it a go. Look, there's a there's one with a giraffe blowing a bubble of bubble gum. That's the one you should Come buy. Come on. Who doesn't want that? I bet you could get one with an Italian flag, too, if you wanted. There's lots of different For the real logo. Yeah, make sure it's an official pop socket, though. You want the real, you want the real deal. You okay. can get them on Amazon, but like, will, just give it a go. I'll see. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do. He's not going to do it. He's not. 
I'll yeah, try. I, I agree with all y'all. Like, the, it didn't take long to get adjusted to the size again. It it is definitely noticeably larger than the ten, and a little bit heavier. But it feels the way the plus did, in that it, it effectively feels borderless. Like, and not because of the design. I felt this way with the plus phone too. Like, because it's so big. It's like I'm just looking at a movie. I'm not looking at a YouTube app on a phone. Like there's something that makes content in particular more consu- like more sort of all-encompassing on a larger screen. So like I feel that way with the with the Max that whatever I'm doing feels like just more real and more vibrant because it's larger. That's something I really liked about the Plus phone, especially watching video. But even doing things like reading or doing email or Slack or whatever, like just cuz you can see more of what's going on it feels like you're doing it on a computer more than you're doing it on a on something you stick in your pocket. Like it feels like a like a pocket computer the way the Plus did, not just a phone. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does makes perfect sense. Yeah, I noticed the other day. Um, I found myself actually using landscape mode uh, while I was reading like a story in Safari, and I was just just lying in bed and reading, and I removed the case uh, because when I, when I'm in bed and I'm using the the iPhone, I just um, I, I like the fact that it's that it's still like there's there's yeah, no totally there's nude. no there's no risk of dropping <laughs> the phone because I'm in bed and also I prefer the way that it grips. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually use landscape mode, and then I realized you know it actually feels like using a like a I th- I think my my thought was like it feels like a PSP <laughs> it feels like a video game console. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because yeah. of the way that I was holding it, and I realized, you yeah. know, this is just it's like a giant screen, and it was uh, like until a few years ago, it was unthinkable to have like a six point five inch iPhone, and now look at how I'm using this phone just to randomly read an article in Safari, like how norm normal it felt. Uh, that sort of surprised me. I am was been very oh you know what actually you said about landscape just reminded me have you guys seen what landscape control center looks like is it possible to use lens it is friggin wild if you use an app with uh with landscape mode oh okay right and pull down from the top okay. right it is crazy looking it's just a big long mm. list of boxes is very peculiar uh i recommend giving Ew. it a go because what it just looks this? strange a, it is very strange long looking. List. wow it's just a big this looks like a weird chocolate bar you know like you know you can get chocolate bars broken down into the little squares mm-hmm. it just looks like like a really weird chocolate bar mm. yeah i think you're right it looks very weird I'll put I'll put something in the show notes for people that that aren't as cool to be in the Max Club uh, because they chose a smaller phone, and so that they can still benefit from this thing. Because I guess this isn't on the other phones because the other phones don't have the uh, the landscape mode. Um, what if you guys had any kind of thoughts or feelings about the um, the stereo speed like widening mm-hmm. stuff? I was listening to some music from my phone couple of days ago i really liked it a lot like it felt more like listening on my phone was a nice feeling as opposed to like listening to music on my phone was it was a good feeling as opposed to like a uh means to an end as it would usually be you know yeah i noticed this while i was listening to 
I think one of my Apple Music playlists. I didn't really pay attention. I just thought to myself, you know, it sounds nicer. And then I think the same day you sent us a message about stereo mode, and I was like, I connected the dots. I was like, oh yeah, it's totally right. That's why it sounds better. Um, I, I mean, I I don't usually listen to music on my phone, uh, but when it when it's functional and when it's the only speaker or when it's like I don't know, I just want to listen to a song that somebody sent me. Uh, I think it does sound nicer. I think it's I think it's very nice. And I notice also that it sounds better when like watching videos or you know having phone calls on speaker stuff like that. It sounds better, which is nice. Mm-hmm. What about Face ID? Have you seen any differences there? I mean, I'll honestly say I haven't. If it's any better, I'm not particularly noticing I, it. I don't think I am either. It, it did feel like running the iOS 12 beta made fa- FaceTime more forgiving. Like if you're laying down or you know, your face is is partially obscured or something. And I still feel that. I I don't know if it's any faster. If it is, it's it's pretty minor, I think. I I really feel like going from iOS 11 to 12 was a bigger change in the way Face ID worked for me, especially situations where, like, you're laying down or or something like that. And shouldn't it, like, in theory anyway... um take a while if there are any up like benefits because it has to relearn my face well i think the only so i think the only benefit the only way face id would be faster is because the the chipset is faster and i don't know if that requires updating the learning model or it just can run the model faster than it used to i don't i don't know if we know enough about how it works to answer that honestly okay because like i just you know i just figured that like it, it surely has to learn my face again and i just wondered if like that that it that I would maybe see the speed improvements later on, but I just don't really think that they're. I mean, it's why Apple didn't call it like Face ID version two. Like it's, it might be a little bit faster, but it's not going to be that much that much faster, really. I, don't I think. think I noticed the slight speed improvement um, because I, I feel like it takes like a fraction of a second less to unlock my phone than before. But also, I was running into this problem with Face ID on the iPhone ten. Um, where because I got a haircut and like I uh, like I, I suppose I, I reached like this threshold that my beard was much much shorter than before. Um, face ID got sort of tripped up somehow, um, hmm. and I was having like more failed um, scans over the past couple of months with the iPhone 10. But then when I set up the Face ID uh, from scratch on the on the 10s, uh, it felt. I mean, of course, it learned with my, with my new appearance, and it was fine. But then I compared the two. Like I set up from scratch Face ID on the 10 and on the 10s again because I was like, "Am I going crazy? This is actually faster." And from the same orientation, with the same sort of gesture that I do of picking up the phone, looking at it, and swiping up. The 10s was like like a tiny, tiny fraction of a second faster than than the iPhone 10, and then I also compared like the apps like One Password with the extension, for example, when it comes up in Safari. Uh, it was fa- it seems faster than the iPhone 10, and of course I don't have any any actual scientific measurements to prove this, uh, but it, just by looking at it, it seems it seems a little snappier than the iPhone 10. Um, so also, I haven't played with the uh, in iOS 12. There's a new feature to set up a, like an, uh, an alternate appearance for Face ID. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't played with it, but I actually considered 
you know, if I get a haircut and maybe I look more different than Face ID expects, maybe I should consider this option in the future. So I can have like a face with beard and face with no beard sort of uh, as, a, as an option in, in Face ID. The two extremes of mm-hmm. Federica. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I haven't had any problems with that in growing my hair out, but I haven't gotten it cut in a long time. Right, but growing it out shouldn't be a problem, it's, right? It's, it's slower, I guess, right? Because it's always learning differences. So yeah. that is interesting. I don't think I've heard that from other people, but uh, yeah, but you know, you're uh, it, probably what it is. Maybe just nobody's got a haircut except for Federico since he got his pr- Probably fun, what it know? is is that the uh, the neural network is just overwhelmed by your Italian handsomeness. That you just crash the entire system. I knew you were going there. It's a flaw. Yeah, it's a, that, that's, that's probably true. Yeah. You know, like those Intel uh, things that were going around last year and early this year, you know, like... Uh, Heart bleed Yeah, and meltdown stuff. and all that stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's what it is. Let's talk about the camera a little bit. You know, this is... It's been so interesting in the last week that... The way Apple talked about the camera in the keynote was really downplayed. And like, I think we all walked away thinking this isn't a huge update. And then come to find out the sensor is much larger and it's doing a pretty impressive job with HDR, I think. But like, it feels like the camera is a bigger deal than Apple let on. I, I find that really interesting. For, for me, at least, the rear camera, I want to talk about the selfie camera separately. The rear camera, the HDR stuff is really good like you can you can really pull off some shots where the sky would have been blown out in the past or your you know the face of the person you're shooting would have been you know sort of dark or muted because they're in the shadow but i kind of feel like this is as as good as i want hdr to be like some of these photos like border on too un like too unrealistic in a way like over processed in a way that i didn't expect from an iphone and I don't know if that's just HDR, if it's software stuff they're doing, but it feels like at least in some of the more extreme examples I've seen people sharing in reviews that some of these pictures aren't what I expect from an iPhone. And I think a little, if if whatever this is, if it's dialed up anymore, I think that'd be out of bounds in what I prefer out of a photograph. Uh, is that something that, that you guys resonate with or am I just being sensitive? No, I think I'm firmly in the camp of who they are making this for, like, photo looks appealing not accurate and you're in the photo looks accurate world and and i think that ultimately for apple to continue to make cameras that are considered to be competitive against their biggest competitors they need to lean into what they have which is let's make these photos a little bit more pleasing and not actually how a camera should be taking them right which is the idea of like me taking a picture of steven with a the sun right behind him well, like that, Stephen would never take that picture, right? Because he understands how cameras work. I would, because I don't. And so, like, what what picture is best to give me at that point? Should I get the picture where it doesn't work because the sun is right there, or should I get the process picture where it does work and I get what I was clearly intending to do, which was a nice picture of my friend, right? And, and I think that Apple, personally, I think that they are making the right decision because I think a lot of people, they say X camera is better because X camera either has more, has like brighter colors, more pleasing colors, right? So the picture looks nicer than the actual, maybe even the world does. Um, and or like they are doing little tricks to make the photos come out better, even when technically they shouldn't. And I think that it's the right move to make because otherwise 
their competitors are going to keep making more and more pleasing photos via the, via the use of computational photography, as Apple called out on stage, right? Like that term of using software to make photos look better. They're going to keep extending that stuff. And if Apple keeps trying to go for the true-to-life stuff that they've done in the past, people are just going to... I think people will be ultimately unhappy with the photos that their phones are producing because they think that they're, they think that they're not good enough. But that's not what it is. They're just trying to stay true. But... Uh, they ha- they have to let go at some point because there's only so much you can do with the with there's only so much you can. I know they took a big jump into this the actual hardware technology this time as well with with the new sensor stuff, but there is only so much that a camera in the size of these phones can do right now, and you have to make up the rest of software. And I think I think I will say I am extremely happy with this because I've been taking a bunch of pictures. When also comparing them to a like we were walking around in London late last night, and I was taking pictures of some landmarks and stuff, and just there were just details in her images that like didn't exist compared to mine, right? There were things that in low light that my phone could very easily pick up that on her phone it just looked like nothing was there, and I know what I prefer. You know, as as a as a person taking photos on my phone, I know what I prefer, and what I prefer is to have the most detail, like to to have the most forgiving camera possible, because I'm no photographer. Yeah, personally, I I still haven't noticed. Like, I still I don't have a picture that I that I took in the past in the past few days, and I'm like, yes, this is like I can totally see smart HDR at work here. Just because I haven't taken any any meaningful pictures, I think. But on principle, I agree with Mike on the idea of, I don't know, like, all these concepts. Like, when I see people saying, oh my god, you can take amazing pictures with manual camera apps and raw photography on iOS. I'm like, yes, I appreciate that that exists, that it's possible, but man, give me those sliders... And those settings and those words on screen, I don't know what they mean. And I tried to read tutorials and I tried to learn. It just It's not a skill that I'm able to absorb and learn and practice over time. So the more that a, that a camera system can do this stuff automatically for me and make it look nicer, even if it's not accurate, like in photographically speaking... I don't need to win any any contests. I don't need to be like called by National Geographic to shoot pictures of dogs. I just want pretty pictures on my phone. And for that purpose, I think the more complexity you remove and the more features you add that make them look pre- prettier, uh, I'm happy. I still don't have a picture that I can say, oh, this picture wouldn't have been as nice on the iPhone X. But I I know that it will come the moment when I'm I will be looking at a photo and go like yeah that you know this camera is actually very nice. Uh, so for now I can only say that I agree with Mike conceptually, but I'm sure he's also right uh, from a practical standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like this over processing is is really noticeable on the the front camera, maybe even mm. more so than the rear. It's doing a lot of smoothing. I've never looked so good in. Uh, yeah, no blemishes on that front-facing camera. And again, it's like, I'm not 100% sure what's going on here, right? Because th- that one feels like that's surprising that they w- kind of leaned into it. So like a lot of pictures and like not amazing lighting, your, f- your face is very soft, right? Like it's very soft mm-hmm. looking. And I guess it's like, if they are doing that, like if, I mean, it kinda, again, like it kind of makes sense, right? Like if people are taking selfies, they add all these filters, 
maybe the camera can do some of it for you? I, I don't know, but like, I just feel like it seems like he may have made some decisions and about the way the, the this phone processes images, and by and large, I think I agree with all of them. But I understand that some kind of more traditional photographer people mm-hmm. wouldn't get that. And, and mm-hmm. I do have options, right? Like, if this bothered me enough, I could go shoot in RAW and a bunch of third-party apps and, and bypass some of this or be able to tone it down. And you can turn off Smart HDR yeah. too, right? Yeah. You can turn off. So. And I, not- I noticed by um, restoring from a backup that if you had HDR disabled before, Smart HDR will be disabled as well. If you set it up from scratch, which I did after because I, I, I had a bunch of problems with my backup, uh, it'll be enabled by default in the camera settings. So there you go. I think we all have a thumbs up on the new on the new phones. Oh, yeah. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Officially blessed by the Connected Podcast. Mm-hmm. Which is, I know what everyone was looking for. Yeah, that's for. what Apple was really waiting for. The, the phone will be They're successful really now. They're really hoping. Apple's favorite podcast endorses uh, the new iPhone. Today's show is brought to you by Pingdom, the company who make website performance monitoring super easy. Everybody loves a fast website, and Pingdom are helping to keep your favorite sites online. Netflix, Amazon, Spotify, Slack, Relay FM. These are just a few companies who trust Pingdom to take care of their website monitoring. Websites are super complicated, and they get more complicated all the time, but you can monitor any site transaction with Pingdom. Stuff like user registrations and logins, checkouts, and so much more. So you can make sure with Pingdom that your users are having the smoothest site experience possible because if disaster strikes you want to be the first to know so you can get in there and take care of it it's super easy to get started with pingdom all they need is your url and they'll take care of the rest that's it go to pingdom.com slash relay fm right now and you can get yourself a 14-day free trial with no credit card required when you sign up use the code connected at checkout to get a huge 30 percent of your first invoice thanks to pingdom for their support of this show and relay fm along with our new larger phones there are new, larger Apple Watches. So, Mike, you, where we left this, you uh, didn't buy one because you've moved on from the Apple Watch, uh, as, as they say. Federico, you did, and we're going to talk about the cellular uh, option for you because it's, it's new for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Where we left me was I was not going to, I was not going to buy a watch at this time. I was going to wait. And uh, as the title of last week's episode shows sometimes i have trouble sticking to decisions when it comes to technology and uh i picked up over the weekend a 44 millimeter (laughs) (laughs) i love that this happens so much space gray uh aluminum gps you couldn't even last the weekend if they came out on friday and you had it on like saturday yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's not it's not my finest hour (laughs) It was effectively as soon as you could have gone. Stephen Stephen Hackett, a man of short-lived decisions. Uh, yes. Wow. <laughs> Which is not how I am with other things in my life. Not all things, but technology is a weakness. What I find most interesting about this watch, and we're going to talk about the software, but from the hardware perspective, is that how much thinner it looks on your wrist. It is actually I actually looked it up and I did the math. It is actually thicker still than the original Apple Watch. But because it is taller, huh? It 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 looks it generally looks much much thinner. That is so interesting. That is the, I I have not heard anybody mention that before, right? Because 
We forget they kept making it thicker. Yes. So even though they made it thinner, it's still thicker than the original one. That's crazy. It's uh, it's a, it's interesting because Apple used to list things in inches. It was like point whatever whatever, and now they do it in millimeters. So like you got to do the math and like catch Apple as and it should be. It's the one true unit. Just saying. I, I agree with you. I'm not mm-hmm. in disagreement. The metric is better. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Metric is better. I don't think anyone's fighting you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's just like super ready to have yeah. a fight that no one, no you know, one wanted. I'm, the, I'm, I'm turning into the European version of Casey Lee's every time there's a, <laughs> there's any kind of conflict between America and Europe. I'm, I'm, you know, hashtag European. That's who I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think it also looks thinner for a couple other reasons. The speaker grill being sort of long and narrow now, like it's like a, a slot, like running down the side of the watch, I think helps visually break it up. And if you look on the other side, the digital crown on the original watches, I don't know if it was smaller. I actually have a Series Zero, but I didn't I didn't measure it. Uh, but the the crown either looks bigger or is bigger now, but it's also more centered on the case. The original Apple Watch, the crown was sort of proud of the surface a little bit. And so they've done some trickery over the years to, to make this thing look thinner. And at least on the wrist, to, to my eye, it looks way thinner, even though on paper it's it's really... Not, not really not, uh, but it's a good trick. It's a trick that Apple pulled off. Remember like the iPhone five, right? Like when you picked up the iPhone five for the first time, it felt fake because it was so much like lighter and thinner than the four and four S, even though it was a bigger phone. Like Apple has used this trick before to, to its advantage. Uh, I think the other, the other things that really make the case different to me is the, the back being all ceramic now and the the light diode is different. Like the back looks really, really nice on this phone. It's a fingerprint magnet, but it looks really nice. And what I actually like the most, honestly, I didn't expect this, is that the side button, the lowercase the side button, is flush with the case now. It doesn't it doesn't stick out from the side. And it means when you're looking down at the watch face, you you can't see the button poking out. And it makes it look a lot a lot cleaner. You know, there was a rumor that that was going to become a touch sensitive or like force sensitive button. I can totally see Apple wanting to do that at some point, but I think it being flush is a big improvement when it comes to like the, the clean lines of the watch. So it really feels like they've really done the work to, to continue to like polish and to uh, refine this design over the generations. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And also using the crown, like I was I was just trying to spin uh, the crown on Sylvia's um, Series 2 Apple Watch last night, and it felt like the thing was not moving. Like, I, I needed to apply some serious pressure and force to spin that crown compared to how smooth and, and fluid and, and just, I don't know, fast is not the right word. It just feels like there's less friction in the crown of the, of the Series 4, even though it's not like you're going to spin pin the crown accidentally uh it's just it's a different type of i don't know it's a different different type of feedback which also brings me to the fact that i want to ask you steven what you think of the haptic feedback on the on the new watch because i saw a bunch of people on twitter either saying i really like this and i'm on that camp sort of in that camp and people saying i prefer the old way because this new one with the with the taps for every step of the scroll, it feels kind of weird. So I wanted to know what you think about it. I, I really like the haptics tied to the digital crown. Like when you spin through like a list of apps or a list of messages or something, it just it feels really premium and it makes it feel 
like a physical thing, much more than the digital crown ever has in the past. The rest of my answers are colored by the fact that I've worn a stainless steel for the last year where the haptics are noticeably uh, less effective, I think, because the watch is heavier and you don't feel them as clearly. So on an aluminum watch, it's a whole new world as far as how they feel. But uh, I I still have the prominent haptics turned on, but I I like the way they feel that the haptic motor feels refined in a way I didn't expect. And it, you know, the, the word I keep coming back to with this hardware is that it all feels, it all feels pretty tight. Like it just feels like everything is really well considered and a lot less sloppy than it, than it was, uh, especially like on the original watch. So uh, it feels good. I, I like them. I like that they're using them more. I think it's a nice, it's a nice feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It feel, it does feel more contextual to sort of to, to the action of scrolling, like especially lists of items. Like I was using the reminders app on the watch the other day, which is, which is actually pretty decent. I'm using the, reminders while i'm grocery shopping now and just it's nice to have that list of you know we have a shared list with sylvia and it's nice to have that list on the on the watch and to check things off as you go and scrolling the list you know where you it's almost like you can feel each item passing through the crown Uh, and there's this idea of like this connection between items and like software and like uh, an element on the on the on the left side and the crown on the right side, and it kind of feels like you're physically scrolling through this this option, like with the, as it were like a physical dial. I don't know. It's it's very nice. It's a very t- nice and different type of interaction that you know. It's something that you don't get on the on the iPhone, for example. This type of like physical input methods that that the crown is, and I feel like. This version of the digital crown, it feels more true to what Apple said three years ago with the introduction of the of the Apple Watch, that it's this new input method and it's tied to the software. I feel like this crown represents that vision, not the original one. I wanted to ask you both if you're using the, any of the new watch faces and what you think of the design of them. Yeah, yeah, I use them all. Um, <laughs> Okay, what does that mean? Well, so the daily one that I use, like as a default one, is the infograph, and I totally changed the one with the analog. Yes, block. I totally changed okay. my mind on the look of the white face. I thought that in pictures yeah! it looked uh, not ugly, but very um, sort of. Uh, I need your attention type of watch face. It stands it out. Stands out. It really stands out. Like, uh, but I'll say, like in in the time that I've played around with one, I, I was wearing Adina's watch for like a day. Um, that was my favorite. Like, I liked the white circle, like the, the the white main part of the face with all of the bright colors and and that kind of stuff. Like, I, I thought that that looked really cool. I liked the way that it looked. I like it because. I can I customized it to my to my needs. So because I'm not a watch person, in addition to the to the what's it called the the hands of the of the oh god all these terms of the watch face, um, I mm-hmm. I'm not able to read them quickly all the time. So I also have a digital time in the middle of the face, um, and also I. I put complications for stuff that I use all the time. So there's like a, a tiny complication for getting in touch with Sylvia, a complication for... 
I like yeah. that one. The favorites yeah, the one. Favorites. That's real. That's a really sweet addition. Like I think that's very nice. So, you, but then because also, one you can have your like loved ones' faces, like the tiny, tiny little yeah, faces. Yeah, exactly. Like it's nice. It's just yeah, a nice thing. It's nice. I put in the time for New York, so that gives me like a baseline of the time zone in America yep. and my calendar mm-hmm. and current weather and activity. But also. I use the infograph modular phase as my activity slash workout phase. So that one I right. customize with the activity graph in the middle and buttons to launch workout music and heart rate, um, which I, yeah. That's cool. So I use it as the workout phase and I find myself switching between infograph modular and the Siri phase uh, when, I'm not, when I'm not using infograph. Uh, these days, the Siri face I only use for one specific feature, which is after a workout, it gives you automatically like this special card for heart rate recovery, hmm. which is like how many beats per minute uh, beats per minute you lost after the workout. So that's something that the Siri face does automatically. No other f- watch face can do this. It's this information is not available in the workout app either. So uh, sometimes I, I switch to the Siri face after a workout just to check out that that tiny card. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't know that it did yeah. that. That must be pretty new. Have you tried the Siri face with third party stuff? Yeah, uh, but only I think for at least for me, only carrot weather works. Yep, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Stephen, what watch faces are you using? I've been I've been trying the infograph, which is the one that leaked the big analog watch face. Uh, I am using, I think, more the infograph modular, which is it's very and they kept the old modular watch face. All the old watch faces are there. Uh, they're sort of like scaled up, and a lot of them they sort of screwed up the complications and made them curvy when I don't think they should have. But the infograph modular gives you uh, a couple different options. The regular modular module modular Modular module, ba ba ba. It's all staying in. The modular watch face d- didn't have before, uh, so I like that one. My frustration is, and I'm 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 spoiling a column I wrote for Club Max Stories a little bit, but like, I still find it really frustrating that. Like I understand third-party developers have to work to support this stuff, and that's fine. And th- the ones who do it will do a good job, and that's great. But Apple itself has really like mismatched support for their own first-party complications with the various faces. And so one that I like, uh, actually several times a week, I want to see the sunrise-sunset complication. And that just straight up is not available on the infograph modular face. Even though it's on the old modular face and it's on the new infograph face, it's not there, and it's uh, and where it is on the infograph face is really limited. And like, I just wish Apple would spend more time making their own stuff available everywhere. And like, it, it just it just feels what it feels like. It feels incomplete. It just feels like oh, you got to one but not the other. And like that's ridiculous. They should that's all the first party stuff should be available everywhere. I understand that some of them may not look great on some faces, but like let the user decide and. That particular example, maybe there's a third party app that probably is that does sunrise sunset complication. If you know of it, please let me know on Twitter because I'd like to check it out. But I still find that frustrating, especially with the new faces with so many slots. It becomes much more apparent to me that Apple's own support for them is really scattershot. And I find that frustrating. But um, I don't love the design of the infograph, uh, the the classic one. I think it's it's really busy. I really don't like Apple's new 
like super colorful look. Like I wish that I could set that thing to be, you know, toned down a little bit. Like you could on the old modular face, you could say, I want all the colors. I want everything to be the same color, like a monotone look. Mm-hmm. Again, just giving us more options to to manage this the way that we want, I think would be, I think would be nice. So, uh, I want to share a piece of feedback that has come from my wife, okay. and I want to see if you guys okay. agree with this or not. She keeps saying this to me, and it's, she's kind of driving me crazy with it now because she keeps saying it as if I can do something about it. But she keeps saying to me, <laughs> this feels like an old person's watch because the text's so big everywhere. Mm. She com- She's complaining well, about how big um, the text well, is in the um, UI. Lucky you, Adina, because I, re- I, I often wish that, you know, <laughs> that the text okay. was bigger. <laughs> I mean, okay, uh, so that's no. strike, strike one, I guess. No, no. Steven, do you, uh, do you feel this way in any way? I feel it on the, especially the new modular face. Right. See, she uses the modular face. So that might be what she's mostly struggling with. It's the with. size, but I also don't like this new San Francisco, like bold rounded they're using because it feels a little, a okay. little chunky in a way, or like maybe even a little Right. Childish. So this might be what she's yeah. seeing. Because I didn't know there was a new font, but like she's like she doesn't like the watch face, and she feels like the text that comes up in notifications is is too bold, it's too big, and she keeps calling it the old person's yeah. watch. And she's on the smaller of the two, so we're both on forty four, and she and she's on the forty two yeah. or the forty. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, one thing that I did when I got my first Apple Watch, and I've left it the same, is I have the reduced transparency setting on because I think that makes the entire watch OS experience much more legible. And uh, I, I definitely recommend that to, to anyone who has trouble with the reading on it. Because like, especially with a colorful watch face, it's just like a rainbow mess behind your notifications. But while we're talking about this, I think, you know, the text is, is, is one thing and I see where she's coming from. But I do really like, especially like in screens like Control Center, that everything is just a lot easier to tap on because everything's... Bigger. Yeah, see, she likes the bigger buttons. Yeah. Yeah. She likes the bigger yeah. buttons. She feels like she likes big buttons, and she she cannot lie. She cannot lie, even if I try and deny <laughs> it. <laughs> the big buttons are good, uh, especially with something like I'm sure you're all the same. Like a lot of times, I'm dismissing something on my watch. Like I'm walking, or like it's just it's always required a amount of like specific like input that now you can feel like you're a little bit messier with because the buttons are bigger. I think that's all, all that's really nice. It's not like on iOS when they went larger and I still feel like iOS doesn't really work well on big phones everywhere, but like watch OS, everything just got a little bit bigger and that's good because the screen really is nice. Like if you have one of these new ones, you should definitely go play with like the fire or the, you know, molten steel or bubbles, whatever the, those new watch faces is it really shows like how far to the edges it goes and it really feels like a like a new sort of thing with that large display. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Mike. I love Mike that you and Adina are a couple with good eyesight, both of you, because I know that you keep the smallest text size on your big phone. Well, but I do wear glasses. <laughs> well, they're <laughs> right? good glasses though. Eyesight. Maybe my glasses are kinda crabby. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have if, if you guys allow me, I have two quick comments about workouts and having a cellular watch yes please okay that's i was going to ask you about the cellular so yes okay so for workouts i after a summer break in the month of august uh where i didn't really work out as much as i wanted to because i needed to finish the review i've started my workout routine again and i'm sort of catching up that's good news yeah catching up with my old sort of written um 
and I noticed two things. Uh, first, of course, the Apple Watch Series 4, the heart rate sensor, still not as precise as external monitors. So like the chest strap that I'm wearing, the Polar H10. Um, if only because, you know, that sensor can poll for data every second and the sensor on the watch polls for data every two to three seconds, I think. Did we ever tell the story of you losing that at WWDC? No, you lo- you stole my sensor. Federico lost his health <laughs> sensor in our hotel Mike room somewhere in WWDC stole? and then spent the rest of the week like just trying to find it everywhere and like we searched that room like top to bottom. I have no idea what he did to that thing. I think he just threw it straight in the trash Watch, or something and it got taken uh, out. What the truth of the matter is either uh, there's two possible outcomes either mike stole it from me and sold it on ebay uh or a house cleaning person right now is wearing my polar h10 strap and exercising nobody i think so nobody absolutely nobody in the world wants to own your sweat well that's your opinion um sensor as i was saying uh if you (laughs) come if you compare the heart rate graph for the uh, for data from the built-in sensor and data from the external one it's like the external one is a smooth curve with all data points filled in and the apple watch series 4 while better than before still has gaps between every data point okay um so it's better, but it's, it's better. still not the, the yeah. accuracy level that you want from a from a heart rate It's sensor. not the accuracy; it's the frequency of the measurements. The accuracy, I think, it's better at least for me because the watch sits better on my wrist, so it doesn't pull for data as frequently as an external sensor does. But when it when it captures data. I think it's more accurate than before because physically speaking, the new design makes it sit better on my wrist. So, yeah, and they may have also improved. And they the may also well. improve the sensor. Right. Yeah. Um, finally, I switched carriers to get cellular support on the watch. So goodbye, wow. Tim. Hello, v- See you, dear Tim. Tim. Goodbye, hello, Vodafone. I'm now a Vodafone customer. Um, I set up cellular today. I was actually concerned. At first, because it was not working, I kept getting an error, and then I googled this error, and there were a bunch of people claiming that they're going to sue Vodafone Italy because they, you know, cellular was not working for their plan, blah, 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 I don't care. After 10 minutes of errors, it just worked. I think it was like a temporary problem on the webpage. Just getting set up, right? Set it up uh, on the watch. Uh, It just got added to my data plan. Uh, first three months are free then it's five euros per month and you get five gigabytes of data i went (laughs) you could never use that on a watch what would you have to do yeah i want to (laughs) just this is the thing anyone that's anyone that's owned a cellular watch will probably tell you that you will never use it but it's nice to have but what's nice is that i think those five gigabytes also count for my phone so I can oh, actually, yeah. Well, it's kind Man, of ridiculous Europe, because my right. my new plan consists of 50 gigabytes per Gah. month at 20 euros, which is ridiculous. Anyway, uh, I guess I guess what people do use it for would be to stream stuff, yeah, yeah. right? But I feel like as well these days, like 
a lot of apps are like like you know like Overcast and and music apps. They're like they're cashing on the the watch anyway. Like so, you're probably not streaming that much. But like I guess if you were like out running, like I can understand that. But that really does feel like the only use case for extensive cellular usage on the watch is like that you leave the house and go running and listen to music or streaming of a cellular. Yeah. Like I, you know, like even stuff like you're mentioning, like you know about having like. Th- you said this to us about like oh it would be nice to not have to take your phone out when you walk the dogs but you're probably not really doing anything it's just so people can contact you if necessary like it's you know what i mean you're not like surfing the web or yeah. whatever i don't know you do um, when watch. i went to the park with the dogs and sylvia today with just my watch um i mm-hmm. texted you guys i called my mom um Oh, that was why yeah, we got that I, message. Can you see this message? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm at the park. <laughs> I, I got a bunch of emails uh, as while well, I was at the park. Um, Great. It felt... This sounds, this sounds it wonderful. It felt uh, nice and futuristic. At first, it was kind of weird that I didn't have the phone with me. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's going to be nice for those times where I'm like, I just need to walk the dogs on the, you know... Uh, just for five minutes uh, or just I want to go to the park and not, you know, have my phone or me distracted. Um, I think it doesn't really work for all those times when either I want to listen to music in my car because the watch cannot connect to the car Bluetooth. So I need my phone. Also, it doesn't work for times when like either with my dogs or in social situations with my friends, I want to take pictures because of course the watch doesn't have a camera. So I think yep. it will be nice for those few times where either I forget my phone, which is not a common thing that I do, or maybe I just yeah, no, I just want to leave my phone behind because it's like I'm going to be at for ten minutes. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't have pockets. I have I have a pair of shorts, Nike shorts without pockets for some reason, and I really like them, what? but they don't have pockets. So um, when I you know they're very nice shorts, but they're very comfy, but they don't have pockets. So it's going to be nice, mm-hmm. but. I don't think I will use it all the time. I just like knowing that there's a backup. So the freedom of knowing that in case my phone dies or is not with me, I have a backup. And in case I decide to leave it behind, I can still be reached over the phone or via iMessage. So it's nice to have this option. Can I make a super quick statement? Super quick statement. Okay. About about the Apple yes. Watch. I've just ultimately decided I don't want to wear one. Like... I wore one for a day and have actually just come to realize something that wasn't true when I stopped wearing an Apple Watch, but is true now. I don't want the distraction of an Apple Watch in my life. Like, I just found that wearing it for a day and getting notifications when I was busy, it just didn't work for me anymore. Um, and, and I kind of don't want, and I just currently in my life don't want something strapped to my wrist, which is buzzing me. Um, I've, I've never found it annoying, but wearing it for that one day, I did find it really annoying. Um, and I, I've gotten used to not wearing one. Um, and I'm very happy. Like I have no problems not wearing one, right? Like I still get all the information I need within a timely fashion. Um, and I'm not getting everything always constantly, you know, like the the soon as something happens, I'm not knowing about it because most of the time that's just not really a thing that I need. Uh, if I was ever going to wear an Apple Watch again, I would significantly like reduce the amount of notifications that I did get. Um, you know, I kind of just had it set up 
pretty much exactly as it was before. And it was just like the email notifications and text message notifications was mostly just too much for me, really. Um, and also, uh, I really dislike how long it takes to show me the time. Um, you know, the fact that I have to raise my wrist in a certain way and then have to wait those milliseconds to get the time frustrates me. I don't like that I can't just see the time by just glancing down at my wrist. You know, like all these basic things as to why like people prefer mechanical watches to Apple watches. Like I'm kind of in that camp now. Um, I do not begrudge anybody who wears one. I think that there are like all of the great reasons that you guys have spoken about, like that Apple watches are great. I think this is the first truly good looking Apple watch. Like, that it's not just like I'm picking an Apple Watch that I think looks the best. I think that the gold one, the gold steel one especially, is like that thing is beautiful. Like I just want to own that as like a I own this watch for the reasons I buy my other watches. I think it's just a good looking watch, but it's just not for me right now. And I, and I, and I understand why anybody would want to wear one, um, but I just I just don't. I just just don't. I hope that's okay. Uh, that's totally fair. I want to talk a little bit about the LTE because I had the LTE on the Series 3 and the Series 4 I opted for for GPS. They had both in stock when I picked it up, so it was not uh, an availability thing. But in thinking through it, uh, I I just realized just for me, I'm not discounting Federico what you want to do. But for me, at least, I used it only a handful of times. Uh, You know, I thought that I would leave my phone behind a lot when I went for bike rides or, you know, whatever. And it ended up a couple of things happened. One, I just wasn't in a situation where I could leave my phone somewhere. Like, you know, I drive to go ride somewhere and, and I'm not going to leave my phone in the, in the glove box of the car or something. So I took it with me and then I've got my phone with me. But really what it, it came down to is like, if like if I'm keeping the watch to stay in contact, right? So if somebody needs me, that, that falls into like family and work. If my if my wife needs to get a hold of me via iMessage or or phone call, that's great, and I can respond on the phone uh, over LTE, and it's totally fine. But if I if I was carrying it for hey, you know, I'm gonna cut out of work a couple hours early and go on a bike ride, and you know, I need to still be around, right? Like something happens, then I need my phone to deal with that. And the real reason is is that Slack on WatchOS is a joke, like. <laughs> Uh, and that's where that's really where LTE on the watch fell down for me because so much of what I would need to do under the category of hey I'm not really at work but I need to be available that a lot of that falls into slack for me just the way that that we work and uh, that wasn't really uh, a viable thing on the watch so I went GPS only this year we'll see if I regret that and go back to LTE in the future but I just ended up not leaving the phone behind very often and and the times that I did it would have been totally fine to take it with me you know it wasn't because I didn't have um uh you know a pocket or anything to take with me so uh, I hope it works well for you it just for me for whatever reason it didn't really stick and uh and so I didn't feel like I needed to spend you know the extra money this time all right should we wrap up yes uh if you want to find show notes this week Head over to relay.fm slash connected slash 211. You can get in touch with us there. You can send us an email or you can find us on Twitter. The show uh, is there. And, of course, we're there, too. You can find uh, Federico at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And he is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. You can find Mike as I-M-Y-K-E. And he hosts a lot of shows at relay.fm.com. 
You can find me as ISMH, and I write 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Smile and Pingdom. And until our next episode, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.